I thought we'd start off before we kind of get into our more reverent part of our worship and service tonight with a fun song that we always love to do at Christmas as a family. And so uh, this is Grant, Hallie, Hudson. We have one more who's the oldest, and he's not here, so he gets left out. So too bad for him. So here we go. Let's do this as we start. Children go where I send me. How will I send me? Oh, I'm going to send you one by one. One was a little bee, baby. A baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children go where I send me. Oh, Lord, how will I send me? Oh, I'm going to send you two by two. A two was a fall inside. Silence. One was a little bee, baby. A baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children go where I send me. Oh, Lord, how will I send me? Oh, I'm going to send you three by three. Three was the Hebrew children, two was a falling, a stylist, one was a little bitty, a baby, born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children go where I send thee, oh, Lord, how will I send thee, oh, I'm going to send thee four by four. Four was the four who stood at the door, three was the Hebrew children, two was a falling, a stylist, one was a little bitty, a baby, a born, born, born in
Oh, welcome. We are so glad to have you tonight. What a beautiful setting. What a wonderful week. Uh, First of all, we wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and uh, safe journeys uh, if you'll be traveling. And we're just so glad that you have joined us tonight. You know, we have been celebrating Christmas here at Hendersonville since the first of uh, December. Uh, the first Sunday of December, John Micah uh, spoke, and he took us to the uh, Gospel of Luke and began to kind of look at the nativity story through the eyes of the shepherds and, and challenged us to be as amazed as they were some 2,000 years ago. And then a week ago Sunday, uh, Stan Wilson, uh, he went to the Gospel of Matthew, and he challenged us to see the nativity story through the eyes of the Magi, who had traveled from the east, very likely from Persia, these ancient astronomers, astrologers, who by looking at the sky knew that something amazing had happened. And they had traveled all the way to Jerusalem and then, of course, to Bethlehem to worship the one-born king of the Jews. And then last Sunday, I tried to go to both Matthew and Luke's gospel as we explored the nativity story through the eyes of Joseph and Mary. And we just kind of followed their amazing journey as their world literally got turned upside down as angels started appearing, dreams started happening, and the next thing you know, Jesus is being born in Bethlehem. Tonight, we want to go back in time just a bit. We don't go back to the Old Testament, to the 7th and 8th century, to a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah is oftentimes called the fifth gospel because so many of the ancient prophecies about the coming Messiah are found in that one book. Everything from the fact that he would be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14, to the fact that he would die a cruel death in that beautiful, beautiful, yet tragic psalm or song of Isaiah 53. Well, I want us tonight to focus in on another that we've just seen in this beautiful video that just played, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. And it begins with these words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, And peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I'm excited that several of the ministers here on staff are going to be looking at this particular prophecy of the coming Messiah and then looking how it came true in the life of Jesus. And so we'll be exploring it in the text. We'll be exploring it in song. And if you would right now, let's begin by going to God in prayer. Our Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that 2,000 years ago, your son, our Savior, was born in Bethlehem. And Father, as tonight we gather to celebrate his birth, Father, we pray that you'll allow us to see in the words of, Father, your scripture, the mighty things that you sent him to do, and how, in fact, he has accomplished and continues to accomplish each one. And Father, may we, like the shepherds, may we go away amazed 
And like the wise men, may we humbly bow and worship him. And then, Father, give him gifts because he is worthy of all that we have to give. And so, Father, bless us now as we lift our voices in song, as we share in your word, and as we celebrate the life of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Messiah. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing these songs. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations arise, join the triumph of the sky, the with angelic hosts proclaim.
welcome. What did heaven know? What did heaven know when God began to create the earth? Genesis 1.1, and following it tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. We read further in the text of Genesis and we find that God created a place for man. He created man. He placed him in a garden. Why was the garden the size it was? Why was there the rest of the earth that was made? What did God know? What did God know that later would transpire? That man could not maintain perfection and one day would fall and one day would be removed from that garden and one day a promise would be made that a Messiah would come and that Messiah would be God in the flesh to us. And that promise that also comes in Genesis For generations was talked about. The stories were told. They were passed on from father to son and from mother to daughter. And from generation to generation, people were told, one day God is coming back. One day God will send his son. One day we will be delivered. We move from Genesis all the way into the time of the prophet Isaiah, and we find that there... There is reiterated the promise that one day all that we need, all that we are looking for will come to us. He will be to us a Savior. And then time from Isaiah moved all the way to the first century. And as we come together tonight, we remember that first century event. That moment in time when Mary and Joseph traveled and couldn't find a place and the world changed that night. This is a song. For your benefit, I'm going to read it. Figured more of you would laugh. That's better. In the first light of a new day, no one knew he had arrived. Things continued as they had been while this newborn softly cried. But the heavens, wrapped in wonder, they knew the meaning of his birth. In the weakness of a baby, they knew God had come to earth. As his mother held him closely, it was hard to understand how her baby, not yet speaking, was the word of God to man. He would tell them of his kingdom, but their hearts would not believe. They would hate him, and in anger, they would nail him to a tree. But that sadness would be broken, and the son of life arose. And the firstborn of creation, he would ascend and take his throne, because he had left it to redeem us. But before his life began, he knew he'd come back. Not as a baby, but as the Lord of all the earth. How much greater will our song be when he comes again to earth? You are holy and you are mighty. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, in our scripture that we're reading tonight, we see from Isaiah that a child is born and that he has been given a name. And there's nothing unusual about that. We do that today. I remember back in 2005 when Jana was pregnant with our second child. We uh, went to the ultrasounds and the sonograms and the, all the things that you do to see how the baby's heart's beating and how it's moving. And the doctor would always say, do you want to know boy or girl? And we'd say, no, no, we're going to be surprised. But in our hearts and in our minds, we, we knew that it was a boy. As a matter of fact, we knew that it was a boy so much that we only had a boy's name picked out. And I can remember the time that it was time to go, and we ran to the hospital, and the doctor says, congratulations, Mr. and Miss Birmingham, it's a girl. And we look at each other, and at that time right there, we knew that Timothy James Birmingham is just not going to work. And we did not have a name. And, and we remember a day later when the nurse came around and she's filling out the paperwork. And she's, uh, you know, father's name, mother's name, birth, weight, time. And then it gets to that line where it says name. And we're like, you're going to have to come back because we don't have a name. We weren't prepared for a name. And you know, if we think about Jesus' ministry on this earth, the time that he, from the very time that he began his ministry, all the way through his ministry, there were groups of people that just didn't know what to do with him. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know who to call him. They didn't know his name. We see the Pharisees, they, they didn't know who he was. The Sadducees, they didn't know who he was. The Sanhedrin, they wouldn't admit who he was. And the Roman government probably didn't even know his name. And we see these groups of people as we read throughout Scripture, we see questions that they ask, what shall we call him? And they say, who is this man that heals on the Sabbath? These groups of people ask, who is this man that eats with tax collectors? Who is this man that makes these outrageous claims of knowing God? Who is this man from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Who is this man that opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, King? And even as Jesus hung on the cross, the groups of people walked by, wagging their heads, saying, who is this man? The Pharisees, the leaders of the temple, walked by, and even the man who was hanging next to him on the cross didn't know who this man was. They said, who is this man who could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? And the Sadducees and Pharisees said, who is this man who said he could save others, but he can't save himself? Come down now from this cross. The fact is, they didn't know him at all. And they certainly didn't know what to call him. But today, tonight, we know his name. And we believe the words that were written in Isaiah some 700 years even before the birth of Christ when it says that his name will be wonderful, divine, beyond comprehension, 
blessing us in ways that we cannot comprehend or imagine. In Exodus chapter 15, 11, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? His name is Wonderful Counselor. Someone we can talk to. Someone that helps us with advice. He is the sum total of all knowledge, of all wisdom, of all guidance, of all direction, of all truth, of all counsel, of all insight. He knows everything about everything, and he is never wrong. All the knowledge of the past, all the knowledge of the present, and all the knowledge of the future, of all things, of all purposes, of all plans, they belong to him. He knows what we need beyond what we even know ourselves. His name is Mighty God. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or power, rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. His name is Everlasting Father. You know, if we look up and down the street here, we see businesses that don't last we see corporations that don't last. Our houses are not going to last. Our relationships are not going to last. And we as a people are not going to last. The scripture says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Our father is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And Jeremiah tells us that he knew us before we were ever born. His name is Prince of Peace. And I can tell you today, right now, I don't know if there's anything that I need more than peace. It seems as I look throughout this world that this world is, is in turmoil. This world seems angry. There seems to be people arguing everywhere that you turn. I am right. You are wrong. If you're not on my side, then you are my enemy. The world is full of meanness. But his name is Prince of Peace. And Jesus will tell us in the book of John, he says, Peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There is no greater peace than I can have tonight than to know that my Jesus overcame the world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's stand again. Let's stand. Oh, come all ye faithful and joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels.
and say it enough, tonight, this time of year, this week, this weekend, it's all about Jesus. All of it. And we're so far removed sometimes from the worldview and the, the, the thoughts and the beliefs of the time around the time he was born that we might not even understand everything that's going on. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 is a richly dense verse. And it paints a picture that hopefully in the next two or three minutes we can uh, rebrush in our minds and see if we can see it. In the NIV, verse 7 says, Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. In other English translations, it says his dominion will be vast and he will bring immeasurable prosperity. The Hebrew merges those two together by saying, and to shalom there will be no end, meaning shalom meaning wholeness, completeness, the way things are supposed to be, the way everything balanced and justified with God looks, and so therefore, obviously, peaceful. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. See, the reason we might not see what's going on completely in this verse is up until 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel had God, or Yahweh, as their king. And then they decided they wanted a king like all the nations around them. So that begs the point, 
if other nations around them had had kings for a while, then there was some expectation of what a king would be, what a, what a human king would be. And that's what they were asking for. And in the ancient Near East, the king refers to a concept of a hereditary office in which a single person rules a people and a territory with absolute authority. What he says is law. What he says goes. He's the leader of the military. He's responsible for, the, for what the nation's uh, reputation is. The purpose of kingship in the ancient Near East was utopian. All activity approved by the king, including war, was for peacemaking. The overarching goal of peace in the ancient Near East was for the original chaos at creation to be put in chains by the king as he is a servant of the gods. Remember, pagan, pagan kings, pagan worldview. The king caused the world to be united and aligned under the proper order as intended at creation, and there would no longer be foreigners or enemies. Wrong repents to right, violence turns to peace, injustice and suffering to eternal justice and well-being, and the king would save and recreate the world. The king was the son of the creator, the king was the good shepherd, and the king was a savior. See, the ancient Near East ideal king was actually fulfilled in Jesus the Messiah. God was Israel's king before 1 Samuel chapter 8, and now, after the crucifixion, Jesus is both God and king, not merely for Israel, but for all, for the whole world, for the whole cosmos, for the whole creation. Jesus is king of all kings, because all other kings failed to deliver all of those, all of those points we just went through. Jesus is king over all creation. And here is the good news, the best news. According to the Bible that's either on your phone or in your lap or in your head, the picture painted in the ancient Near East of perfect kingship is coming. There will be one nation under God with perfect peace or shalom forever when Jesus returns. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, just as Scripture states in Isaiah 45 verse 23 and Philippians 2 10 through 11, that Jesus Christ is King and Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. No. up and saw a star 
Verse 7 of Isaiah 9 ends with this very simple sentence. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I like the way the Passion Translation words it. It says, the marvelous passion of the Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies, has for his people, will assure ensure that it is finished. One of the fascinating things found in this text is that it uses the name of God, translated in the NIV and most of our Bibles as Lord, but it's actually the four-letter name of God that we don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but we think it's best pronounced Yahweh. And of course, when Jesus is born in Bethlehem of Judea, both to Mary and to Joseph is given the fact that he should be named in Hebrew Yeshua. To us, of course, Jesus. And as Tony mentioned a few moments ago, names are important. I had my grandchildren in uh, yesterday, and we were talking about all of our different names. 
And as we were talking about our names, my oldest grandson, I said to him, I said, now your middle name is Alan. Why are you named Alan? And of course, he, he didn't know. He's four years old. And I said, it's the reason is because your mother's dad, your grandpa, his middle name is Alan. And, uh, and then I turned to my second grandson and I said, now Luke, you know what your middle name is? And he said, what's that? And, and we talked about it. I said, now do you know your dad's middle name? And he said, no. And I said, your middle name, is, your dad's middle name is Scott. And he said, Scott? And I said, yes. And I said, he's named Scott because uh, my middle name is Scott. He's named after me. And then I turned to my youngest grandson and I said, uh, about my youngest grandson, I said, now what is his middle name? And of course, well, his middle name is Hugh. And I said, do you know why he's named Hugh? It's because my dad, my granddad, my great-granddad, all had the name Hugh. Names mean something. And so when Jesus was given that precious, precious name, by the angels to both Mary and Joseph. It had meaning. And that meaning came from the fact that in Hebrew, it is Yeshua. Yeah, being short for Yahweh. The very name of his father. And Shua as meaning salvation. Because that's exactly what he came to be. Yahweh's salvation. And Yahweh himself made sure. That it happened. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. crew who's helped create this experience tonight. Some of them are more obvious than others. There are some people with some really beautiful voices in this room, right? Lots of you. We're grateful for that, grateful for the worship team. Um, sometimes we don't always see the people behind the scenes, such as Susie who's up here. She's going to hate me for doing this, for helping put slides together, for making that happen. 
to people like Brian Holloway behind the scenes who's helped pull the imagery together and all the artwork and make the experience what it is. Uh, to everybody running sound, to Dalen and his team, thank you. I think about Lacey over here to my right and just the crew that you had that helped decorate the stage to begin with. So we simply say thanks. We say thanks for helping create this atmosphere. Um, pray with me if you would. Gracious God, with joy and thanksgiving, we gather as your people, hearing again the timeless story of your son's birth warms our hearts. And in the excitement of this night, we also ask that you quiet our hearts, that we may know the peace and fullness of this holy time and sacred space. Shine, O light, in the darkness of our world. Sing, O angels, in the stillness of our hearts. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those God favors. We pray this in the name of your Son, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. If you'll go ahead and turn the lights down, pretty please. The room is dim and dark and represents the darkness in our world. The light from our candles that we're about to light symbolizes Christ's birth as the light of this world. In fact, Jesus is the light of the world. And whoever follows him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as such, the light also symbolizes the invitation as children of God to shine like stars in this dark world. In fact, listen to what John says in 1 John. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But... If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. May we shine like stars that the world may experience him. There's going to be some ushers at this point who are going to help light the candles. Go ahead and stand if you don't mind. And as these candles are being lit, listen to a few verses of a song that's about to be sung. As children of light, we sing, holy, holy. Hope in a manger for you and for me, bow down in worship. Come rest your eyes on the King, Jesus, our heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night. Son of God's love's pure light, radiant beams from the holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. 
Jesus, our heavenly peace. 
Thank you for being here this evening. Uh, Merry Christmas to all of you. As you leave, there will be places on each side of the, out of the auditorium to leave your candles blown out, please. So uh, thank you for being here. Have a Merry Christmas.